Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And there is no such thing as a way too early top 25 for Matt Story when it comes to college football. No, no. I was, I was you know, I'm one of those people who actually reads them in January, 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 January. When they, I mean, college football is the one sport I think you can kind of do that. You have a pretty good idea of who's going to be on what team. Uh, so, yeah, I'm ready. I've been I've been ready for months and months and now here we are right about a month from opening weekend so this is going to be a generally the outline of this one is going to be a preview of the power five conferences that aren't the pac-12 we are doing this a month plus in some cases ahead of opening games for teams yes so if somebody gets hurt if there's a major injury if there is a suspension due to some on-field or off-field shenanigans. Right. We're not accountable for that, and we reserve the right to change our picks. Yes, I think uh, for all these prior to the start of the season, we're, we'll give ourselves that little out that if we're going to be held accountable, let's uh, let's take a look at this uh, once again, if we want to, before the season starts. So we're not necessarily going to be revealing who our – playoff final four are this week and we're not going to be talking about Heisman but it's going to be tough to do this without at least previewing where our heads are at so you'll get some idea of what we're thinking but the official picks will come later once we do the Pac-12 as well so Matt let's dive right in with the conference that holds the defending champions the ACC and Clemson as the defending champ obviously this year's Clemson team is going to look a lot different for Dabo Swinney than last year's title team it will, it will, yeah. I mean, lost a, a lot, and, and starting very obviously with the quarterback who, you know, was such a big part of what they did. Um, uh, you know, there were times last year as Clemson kind of wound its way through the season where it felt like the game plan became, you know, here you go, Deshaun, go do something. And so the time he did, um, you know, they, they kind of struggled their way to the finish line during the regular season. And, and there were moments where it was like, you know, let's just let him run the show and we'll be okay. And now you lose that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I expect them to come back to earth a bit. I think defensively they're still going to be really good, probably better. But they lost a lot on offense. Watson, Wayne Gallman, Mike Williams, Artavis Scott, Jordan Leggett. I mean, a huge amount of personnel from that offense uh, that's going to be tough to replace. For me, the most interesting game early in the non-conference season is the same game that everyone has circled florida state alabama two teams that Mm -hmm. you could seriously consider playoff contenders and i really enjoyed the uh media availability for both jimbo fisher and nick saban where they said more schools should schedule these games saban came out and flatly said we play four games that most people don't care about every year so agreed, at least agreed. now it's three, still probably four yeah. if you count Vanderbilt, but three. Um, right. No, I mean, I, I, you know, you know, I'm not the biggest Nick Saban fan, but I, I did agree with a lot of what he said that, you know, we, there's a better way to do this in how we schedule and, and getting games like that and having sort of a power rating system, I think would, would be okay. Um, I don't want to go to computers only like we used to have, um, you know, but, but some type of power rating where you, you value six wins less than you do, you know, who you played and who you beat. I agree with that. So, yeah, that will be a, a great opening game. I think um, 
as we you know talked about a little bit, I think week two is actually better than week one this year. But certainly that game in week one is is the headliner and will be a great one. And um, you know, I'll I'll go ahead and say it. Florida State is my pick in the ACC, um, and my pick to do more than just that. Uh, I've been I thought Florida State was rounding into form the second half of last year. I thought they would use the Orange Bowl as kind of a jump-off point, and they did win the Orange Bowl, and I haven't changed my mind at all. I think they're headed for a big season. I mean, I think it's going to be Florida State in the Atlantic Division. Clemson obviously is lurking, but, you know, like you said, the loss of talent is going to be a major factor. In the Coastal Division, I think it's going to be Miami. Obviously, last year I was a big hater on Brad Kaya. I don't think they lose much by losing him. I believe that Mark Richt will have this team in position um, in his second full season there, starting to get his guys in. Um, but I do agree with you. I think Florida State's going to take Miami out in the conference title game, and I think yeah. it's going to be Florida State as the ACC champ. I also do yeah. not leave them out, though I think they will lose to Alabama. I do not leave them out of my playoffs. Right now, I still think Florida State's in unofficially on my yeah. on my playoffs. Yeah. I have I have Florida State in the playoff, and I have Florida State. Um, if there's a team that goes undefeated this year, and I don't think there will be. I think everybody will have at least one loss. I think they're the team that could do it. Um, I just think they're they're you know, I, I think they're loaded. They, I mean, I think DeAndre Francois will take a step forward. Um, yeah, you know, they lose Dalvin Cook, but hurts. He was a special player, but I think they've got some other good options there. And defensively, I think they're going to be really good. That was really the difference in the second half of the year for them was a young defense came into its own, and they got a lot of those guys back, and they get Derwin James back, who missed most of last year. Um, I would say if there's going to be a Heisman you know, finalist who's a defensive player, Derwin James is the name to, that I would pick. Um, we've seen several of those in the last few years. I think he is he's that good that he could make that much of a difference. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Clemson's still good. I think Louisville will be um, – a tough team, you know, that Lamar Jackson is still good, although people seem to catch up to what they did a little bit toward the end of last year. But I think Florida State is the class of that side. And um, as far as the other side, I, you know, Miami's a good pick. I think that's kind of a toss-up between maybe four or five teams. I'm going to go off the radar a little. I'm going to pick Pitt uh, to win the Coastal and, and get to the title game. Interesting. That is off the radar. <laughs> What? It's, it's uh, you know, I'll admit it's primarily out of rooting for Max Brown. I, I felt like Max Brown got dealt a bit of a tough hand at USC. Obviously, they, you know, they made the right decision. Sam Darnold was a great player and, and you know, looks like he's headed for great things in the future, too. Um, you can't argue with the decision they made, but I'd like to see Max Brown get a nice final chapter of his college career if possible. I mean, I hope it works out for him. It's tough, you know. It's obviously tough to fault uh, anything USC did decision-wise last year. Darnold looks like he's a, oh, a, yeah. a potential Heisman Trophy winner, and that team started clicking on all cylinders offensively with him under center. They did. They did, and they probably should have you know, started him from the outset. Um, I, you know, I, I, I look at Max Brown, and I guess I'm kind of hoping he gets a, a bit of a finishing chapter like a guy like Jeff Driscoll, who was kind of in the same boat. Um, you know, big time recruit went to Florida. It never came together for him. He transferred his senior year to Louisiana Tech and had a nice senior season. Put up some good numbers. Got drafted. Uh, you know, it wasn't the career it was supposed to be, but it ended fairly well. And I'd like to see that same thing happen for Brown. 
Well, one of the things that makes you root for a guy like Max Brown is he did everything right last season. He was the starter, yeah. and when he lost the job, he said, look, I'm going to be prepared. You never know when I'm going to get called on. I need to be ready. Right. He never said a negative word. He never was an attitude problem. And then when the season ended, he quietly transferred, and that's right. what you would want. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, he's the he's the example of you know why you like the graduate transfer rule. I mean, sometimes I think it it's overused, and and you know you see guys that are bailing, and it's like man, you know, being free agency. But a, a situation like his is a perfect example of why it's good because you know you've got a you got a special player in Darnold. He might be one of those guys who's just you know just really good, and maybe maybe it's not that Max Brown's bad. Maybe it's just Sam Darnold is better. And, and so you understand why USC wants to go with him and you give this kid a chance to play his last year somewhere else, uh, you know, and, and hopefully have a little bit of success. It's funny that you said the way you phrased that. I was watching uh, last night the Broner-Garcia fight on Showtime and the announcers basically said, look, it's not that Broner's having a bad fight. He's having a fine fight. The problem is <laughs> Garcia's having a much better fight. Uh, yeah, and that yeah, sort of felt yeah. like what happened to Max Brown. It's not that Brown was bad so. or having a poor season. It's just that Darnold was going to have a much better season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, I, I know in the in the sports world we live in now, it's, you know, we don't come to praise. We come to blame 99% of the time. And and it's easier to, oh, that guy's no good. Let's replace him. Maybe, Matt, maybe Darnold was just really good. Now, you know, his career is still in its infancy. I don't know where it's going to go from here. But certainly the, the you know, first impression was pretty strong, and, and maybe it just was an example of, uh, you know, you had, a, you had a good player, and then you had a great player. you got to go with that great player, but, you know, I, I'm hoping something good comes for Brown. Uh, you know, I like Pat Narduzzi, too. I think he's a good coach. You know, they beat Clemson and Penn State last year. Uh, we're inconsistent overall, but I kind of think, you know, maybe this is, this is the year they kind of take a leap forward. Again, I think the Atlantic is stronger than the Coastal, um, as it's been the last few years. But I, you know, I'll I'll go with them, just a little bit off the radar, and you know, pick somebody that's a little outside the chalk, basically. I like it. We're going to move now to the Big Ten. Um, Ohio State is reloaded. They got JT Barrett back. Obviously, he's the real deal. You'd think that he's got a strong possibility to be the conference player of the year, and maybe on the short list of Heisman favorites this year. But for me, I, I think it's definitely watch out for Penn State. You know, they, yeah. they returned McSorley at quarterback. Uh, last year he had 29 touchdowns and only eight picks, and three of those were in the Rose Bowl against USC where it just right. turned into that shootout. Um, yeah, it was a great game, one of, the, one of the best of the entire season. So I, I think that James Franklin's got them pointed in the right direction. I think it's going to be interesting because obviously the Big Ten East is much better than the West with Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan all yeah. in the East. But really what I think is probably the, the biggest quirk of scheduling, and not that I think Michigan would have been able to match what Penn State and Ohio, what I expect Penn State and Ohio State to do this year, but Wisconsin is probably the class of the Big Ten West. And they don't play either Ohio State or Penn State in the regular season, and they get Michigan at home, which is just a, another bad break for the Wolverines and Harbaugh. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, think, um, I think Michigan is, by the end of the year, going to be a lot better than they are at the start of the year. Very young team, a lot of I mean, I think they lost 10 defensive starters. Uh, only, I think, five starters in total come back from last year. Um, you know, so it's, it's a bit of a, not a rebuild, but, you know, 
putting some new faces in key places, basically. And I think, uh, you know, there'll, there'll be some initial bumps. I think they'll be pretty good. I think Michigan can be a team like what I, what I think out of Florida State from last year, that maybe they start out, you know, four and three, and then they end up ten and three because in the second half of the year they hit their stride and, and kind of, you know, use that as a springboard 2018. I mean, what I'm curious about is does the Big Ten West do anything beyond Wisconsin? And I don't, and I, and this is not Wisconsin homerism. I think Wisconsin's got real yeah. questions. I expect the defense to take a step back now that Justin Wilcox is gone uh, from the defensive coordinator position. He's the yeah. head coach at Cal now. But I just don't, you know, I don't think there's anybody else out West that can really have an answer for Wisconsin's offense, which has been really good since Chris came back. But has, but I still has. I still think there's a huge gap between Wisconsin and Penn State and Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. Well, now I will say I'm not as high on Penn State as you are. I to me I think Ohio State is the best team in the conference. Um, I'm a little wary of Penn State. I know they had a great second half of the year last year, um, but there's just there's something that's holding me back a little bit on them. Um, I'm not sure they can bottle that up and, and continue that type of play. Um, you know, and I just, when it comes down to it, I'll, you know, I'm not a fan of his necessarily, but urban Meyer is one of the better coaches in the country. Uh, I think I, you know, I've read 61 and six in his you know career at Ohio state. And I think they'll have revenge in their minds for losing to Penn state last year. I think their, their offense will be a lot better. Um, they, they finished last year on a very down note offensively, obviously, you know, being shut out in the playoffs, but, uh, they brought in Kevin Wilson to be the offensive coordinator, kind of changed it up. And I, uh, you know, I agree with you about Barrett. What's What's funny is just a, you know, just today I was reading an article that basically, you know, discussed the possibility of well, if Ohio State gets off to a slow start, you know, will they replace JT Barrett? And I was kind of shocked by it. I don't know if it was just for shock value, but I'm thinking, man, I to me this guy's on the short list of Heisman candidates and. And then, you know, the Cleveland paper is talking about, well, who would be the replacement if Ohio State struggles out of the gate? Wow, I wasn't wasn't thinking that way. It's funny when you are the rich, you know, you're the team that has all the momentum and all of the recruiting and all of the history that that your panic button is. Well, what happens if our potential Heisman Trophy winning quarterback struggles? What does that do for us? Yeah, whereas other teams are like, I wonder who's going to play quarterback for us this year, and what will they be able (laughs) to do? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is, because, you know, the very beginning of the article, and I believe it was from the the Cleveland Plain Dealer, was was basically like, you know, well, JT Barrett's not the shiny new thing anymore. I'm thinking, well, you know, just compared to our situation, like, I'd kill to have a three-year starter back at quarterback who, you know, has been a a top-ten Heisman vote-getter, you know, but, hey, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, I know they ended on a, on a rough note. Certainly the playoff was, was an ugly loss, uh, you know, to get shot out the way they did. Um, but, man, I, you know, I, I think they're the class of the conference. Uh, I, I would say I think they can potentially go unbeaten all the way to the end, and then I could see them losing to Michigan in the finale, but still winning the Big Ten uh, because I think Michigan will have some early bumps. See, this to me is the conference that has a chance to get – out of the playoff picture because they beat up yeah. on themselves. The thing that the SEC yeah. always says happens to them, I think really could happen here. 
between, I, you know, I could see a round robin Michigan beats Ohio State, who beats Penn State, who beats Michigan. Um, yeah. So everyone's got one loss, and then, you know, some fluke thing happens, or whoever makes the conference title game, Wisconsin beats somehow, or whoever yeah. it is from the West, but I'm going to assume it's going to be Wisconsin. Um, and then what do you do? You know, because I don't think Wisconsin's yeah. going to win. I don't think Wisconsin's going to show up in that title game 11-1 and either. No, no. I mean, I, you know, I guess, I guess my thought. I think Ohio State, you know, will will end up winning the Big Ten with one loss and would go to the playoff in that situation. I think, I think, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC are powerful enough that a one loss conference champion's not going to be left out. And then you got a kind of a round robin of, of you know ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big Twelve, which you know one gets left you know out of the party. We've seen the you know Big Twelve twice and Pac-12 once so far in the in the playoff years, um, I kind of think it's the same drill. But you're right. I mean, certainly in that scenario, you you could you know see the Big Ten champ get left out. But I I feel like Big Ten and the SEC, if their conference champion has one loss, they're going to be in the playoff. And two losses still has a pretty good chance. Ooh, I I don't know. Two losses when you've got potential. First of all, you've got the potential of a non-power five team going undefeated, which that makes yeah. it hard. Um, yeah. But failing that, if the rest of the Power Five is one loss or unbeaten, yeah. If, oh, I I would agree. Yeah. If the other four are, are all that, but um, then it's pretty easy to make that decision. But you know, a situation like last year, Penn State almost got in with two losses. Uh, you know, they lost early in the year to Pitt. They lost you know another game I think late September to Michigan. Then didn't lose again. You know, a team like that, you know, eventually, soon, we're going to see a two-loss team get in the playoff. We've, we've come real close the last couple of years. hasn't happened. Um, and I think, you know, if we're going to see it, it's going to come from the Big Ten of the SEC. I guess I'd put it that way. Oh, I agree with that. I mean, both for the hit, recent history in terms of performance and the weight given to those conferences, unless somehow yeah. it was Texas. Um, yeah, yeah, potentially. Although the Big 12 is viewed as – uh, lesser right now. I well, mean, they're in they disarray. The they, I mean, they're in disarray. Yeah, they are. They are, and they, and they just they are viewed as a as a you know a lesser conference. I mean, you know, uh, won't jump ahead to them just yet, but um, they you know they're kind of viewed as arena football. Nobody plays defense, um, and it's kind of just the wild west out there. And you know, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it would come from one of those two. Um, I think Ohio State wins. I think I'll pick Wisconsin, too, out of the West. But I, I like Northwestern. Northwestern is a team that I think could make a little bit of noise, not at a national championship level, but perhaps a 9-3 and three type of year where they're, they're right in the mix with for the Big Ten championship game at the end. Yeah, and that by itself would be a huge win for Northwestern's football program at this it point. It would. It would. I, I mean, I you know, they – they are another team that started last year slow and then picked up the pace. I think they, you know, they lost their first two last year, both to, to you know, one double A schools or one of the two was I think Western Illinois and so you know they they got off to a rough start and then you know played well at the end, won a bowl game. I'm pretty sure, um, you know, turned things around. I think Pat Fitzgerald's a good coach. Again, I I think ACC and Big Ten. What we're talking about is similar in that we're talking about one division that has a couple or three teams that you could see in the national championship picture. And then one division that has probably no teams in that conversation, but maybe four or five teams that could win the division, maybe more, 
more balanced as far as the, the depth of the division. I, I kind of see the conference as the same way, I guess. I think that's a fair read. Um, I, you know, I think that we're both sort of high on Ohio State. I'm higher on Penn State than you are. But, but I think that it's going to be one of those two teams who wins the conference. And, I, you know, gun to my head, I, I'd pick Ohio State over Penn State at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know Penn State won it last year, um, but I still I just think, you know, Ohio State is, is uh, the team to beat until proven otherwise. I, again, I think, I think Michigan can beat them this year, but I'm not sure they can beat them over the course of 12 games. Uh, you know, at the end of the year at Michigan, that's a chance for them to get a little revenge for last year and Harbaugh to get his first win over them. Uh, so that, you know, I think they can do that, which, of course, would lead to the controversy of, you know, well, the Big Ten champion loses at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, I could see that discussion happening of, well, do they deserve it over Michigan or they deserve it over this team? I think they'd still get in with that record. I'm sure you're right. Um, now we get to move to the conference that is at least self-anointed the best. That's the SEC. And. Obviously, you have to start this conversation with Alabama because they just reload. I mean, they're breaking in a new offensive coordinator, Brian Dabble, coming over from uh, the Patriots, but who who cares? They have Jalen Hurts. They've got Nick Saban. They've got a defense that has probably nine NFL-caliber players on it. Now, not NFL-ready, but certainly draftable is what I'm saying. Oh, sure. Eventually they will, yeah. Yeah, I, now I do think, I mean, they, they lost a, a fair amount from last year's defense, which was, you know, historically good until about, you know, the fourth quarter of the championship game. Nobody had figured out a way to, to consistently move the ball on them. And, uh, you know, Clemson did at the very end. But they, you know, they lost Allen. They lost Foster. They lost uh, Marlon Humphrey. They lost Eddie Jackson. Uh, I think those personnel losses take a bit of a toll. Uh, do I think they're going to fall to 6-6? Six and six? No. Uh, but I think, you know, losing that much from a, from a group that, you know, won a national tie 2015 came, you know, within seconds of winning another one last year. It has to it has to manifest itself a little bit. I mean, I agree with you, but uh, this is the uh, to be the man, you have to beat the man. Sure, uh, and sure. I want to see it in the SEC. Um, yeah, I know that you are high on their Iron Bowl rival this year. I am very high on them. Yes, I am. I, I think uh, I got burned with them two years ago. I'll admit it. I was very high on them in 2015, uh, and they, you know, I think it ended up going six and six. Um, uh, you know, that was the year I picked them and Arizona State to both make the playoffs, and they finished six and six and barely made bowl games. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I might get burned again, but uh, defense really improved last year. And now I think they've got the quarterback. They've got Jared Stidham, the transfer from Baylor, who I think is, you know, as we've discussed, one of the rare quarterback transfers that doesn't come with many question marks. Usually when a quarterback is transferring, you have to ask yourself, well, why is he available? Well, in this case, he's available because Baylor became a, a you know, disaster area. And so, you, you know, you, you get out and you find greener pastures, I think a smart move by him. But he, when he played, he played well. I think um, Chip Lindsey, who we know from personal experience, is going to be the offensive coordinator there. I think he's a very good offensive coach. And I think, I think Stidham is uh, also on that Heisman list for me. Uh, you know, I think he could have a great year and kind of bring to mind 2010 flashbacks for Auburn. I mean, Chip Lindsey 
kept ASU's offense afloat with three different quarterbacks, four if you count Jack yeah. Smith having to take some snaps. Right, um, right. With creativity right. and with explosion. Uh, you know, SEC defenses are a little dif- different than Pac-12 defenses, but what he did was impressive. I will always give him the benefit of the doubt yes. now. Um, and I think that's going to be a very difficult combination, the two of them. Um, you mentioned, you know, there's no question about why Stidham left, which brings me to Mississippi. And mm-hmm. do you think if you were an advisor who's not technically an agent – Talking to the yeah. Patterson family, what would you be saying to them right now about what Shea Patterson what I would, should do? What I would probably say, and it seems like this is the course of action they're on, is play out this year and then see where things are. You know, you, you don't quite know where things are going to go with Ole Miss. We all think that the hammer is going to come down hard. And certainly, you know, if you're a betting man, that's what you'd bet. But it hasn't come down yet. And, and you're, you know, you're already with this team. If you were to leave now – you know, you're kind of setting yourself back. Do you go to a JUCO? Do you, you know, what do you, what do you do? And I mean, this team's got some talent. Uh, they're postseason ineligible, so you know they're not obviously going anywhere. But you know, I are they good enough to to be a pretty good team, especially offensively? I think so. They got a lot of returning receivers. They have a left tackle who you know is considered a a big time prospect. Um, who you know came in after Laramie Tunsil kind of you know replace him played last year. I would say play out this year, and then evaluate. Where is Ole Miss? How did the year go? What are your options? Because maybe they let you transfer and play right away, you know, kind of like what happened at Penn State, and then you find the best spot for yourself then. Um, you know, and that seems to be the course of action. His dad, I know, made a comment of, you know, hey, he's, he's all in with Ole Miss unless something crazy happens, which is a good caveat to throw out there. Like, you know, hey, we're not, we're not going to lock ourselves in forever. But he's here now, and, and he's going to you know do his best for Ole Miss at the moment, and then we'll see. Something crazy like the head coach who recruited you is forced to resign in infamy, and right. you're already banned right. from a postseason for one year, right. self-imposed, right. I mean, and I, the NCAA know, hasn't even decided yet. Crazy. Exactly. <laughs> and you start seeing a mass exodus of players. That's the terminology he used. You know, Unless there's some type of mass exodus. Well, you could see that. It's not crazy to forecast that that might happen, and and in his case, I, I, you know, I, again, I think Stidham made the right decision getting out of Baylor for his, you know, career and his future. And I think it would be the same right decision for Patterson if, if that ends up happening. Um, I don't hmm. think Ole Miss or Mississippi State are good enough to make waves this year. I think they'll both be good. Uh, but, you know, I, to me, this is a two-team division as far as competing to actually win it. I'm, I, don't, I don't think LSU is at that level either. Um, I think Auburn or Alabama comes out and wins this division. I will say this about the mass exodus. If that is the caveat, you sort of have a chicken and egg problem because I think that mm-hmm. Shea Patterson could be Moses and he could lead that exodus he if he wanted to. He could be. Um, yes, he could. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, you know, he's he's there and it's kind of it's hard to leave at this point. You know, the timing is is very difficult. So. Uh, you know, and again, selfishly, I'm glad to read that because we are going to see him, and I hope he's playing October. And you know, I want to see Ole Miss at least be you know competitive at that point, um, and he's a big reason why they'll be competitive if they are. At LSU, you said you're treating them as a half step behind Alabama, uh, I maybe think a whole so. step yeah. behind. Yeah, I think a whole step. I mean, they've got some very good players uh, you know Darius Geis think uh, you know if you're going to pick a running back to be in the Heisman mix he's got to be 
at the top of the list or near the top of the list. Um, Arden Key is a you know a little bit of a question mark after he missed spring practice, but you know potentially a top ten draft pick on defense. But I just don't think they have the the depth there, and I, I don't think they have the quarterback. Danny Etling is a is probably a nice caretaker quarterback, and if you had a team like Alabama, you could win with him. You know, Alabama did it with Jay Coker as kind of a caretaker. Um, but LSU is not as good as that Alabama team. They're going to need more from their quarterback. I don't think he's got it. They got a couple young guys though that that you know will be interesting to watch as the years pass and see if they can find somebody to finally you know lock that position down for him and give him some stability. Coach O's got a lot of work cut out for him to turn that offense into something productive. It's been he does the better part to. of a decade. I mean, um, yes, and they yes. and I mean, they that's need why it. Les Miles isn't there anymore. Uh, yeah. You know the, the number one reason Les Miles is gone is they couldn't you know establish a consistent offense and mostly quarterback play i mean they had they had any number of great skill players you know the last few years from leonard fournette odell beckham jeremy hill jarvis landry and they could never really take advantage of guys like that because of inconsistent quarterback play and again i don't think Etling's the answer i think probably if there is an answer on the roster it's one of the two true freshmen uh, you know lowell narcisse and miles brennan uh, and it'll be interesting if they would fall out of it this year early. You know, do you do you try to get those guys some reps and see what they can do, and you know, find your guy for 2018? I think you probably should. I think that's probably a good idea. A couple other players who I want to talk about before we jump off the SEC. Uh, obviously, you got Jacob Eason returning under center for Kirby Smart. That's a good sign for the Bulldogs in Georgia. Yes. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of growth he and Patterson have this year. Obviously, yep. two different yep. situations, one much more fluid, for lack of a better word, than the other. Yeah, yeah. But Eason should show growth here. There's no more quarterback competition to start the camp. Right. There's no more questioning about what can he do. We've seen it. We've watched yep. him play. I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, he should no, be. I'm, I'm completely with you. He, uh, you know, he had flashes last year. He had a kind of a typical true freshman season, ups and downs. Um, he he's got to show that he can do it consistently now. You know, now he's got to take a leap forward. Um, you're right. There's no quarterback competition right now, but they did bring in another five star kid and Jake Fromm, who is you know supposed to be pretty good too. And if Eason doesn't take that leap you know you're going to start hearing the chatter that well you know we got another option you know maybe we look at our other option um uh, and and so he's you know and he's very very much should be helped by sony michelle and nick chubb both come back which was a stunner to me you don't see running backs usually come back with the nfl as an option this day and age and for them to both come back is is a big benefit for him to be able to run the ball hopefully well and take some heat off him and then allow him to build some consistency. So, yeah, they, you know, they, they need him to step up. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, some have said, not just me, um, you know, have said this guy's good enough to be a number one overall pick, and he does look like he's got that talent, but now he's got to prove it. There's plenty of guys who have the talent to be, you know, a top five draft pick. There's only some who actually do it. Then the last player who I want to mention before we jump off the SEC, and it's going to be a reward for Greg Powell for hanging in this long, is Christian Kirk, who might be the most exciting playmaker in all of college football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, very good player who, uh, you know, the Texas A&M program is hard to assess. We do, you know, we talked about the West and we talked about, you know, five schools. We didn't get to Texas A&M. 
Um, you know, but, uh, you know, some instability there. They've kind of been known for uh, you know, hot starts and slow finishes. They did it again last year. Um, Christian Kirk is a special player. I'm not sure they have enough players like him to make noise in that division. And, you know, another team that's kind of got a quarterback on 13, um, you know, a, Which a is really senior and a couple of young guys. It's really stunning if you would have said that, you know, fifteen months ago. It wasn't ago. supposed to be this way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they had, you know, they they attracted back to back five stars, much like you know what I just said with Georgia. They got Easton and from they the Texas A and M's in that position with Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray, and then within the span of I think a month they left, and now Allen's a starter at Houston. Murray's waiting his turn at Oklahoma. And, uh, yeah, I mean they're you know they they band-aided it last year, Trevor Knight. Now they've got to you know try to find a long-term answer uh, when they you know we're supposed to already have that long-term answer. If Texas A&M can win nine games, I think that it is very likely in my in my mind's eye that you see Christian Kirk in New York at the Heisman you ceremony. Might. You I don't might. know if he'll yeah. win, yeah. but I feel like he could get there if the team gets there. I think he's the one who got them there. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right in that case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a loaded conference. We, you know, we haven't even touched on Florida or Tennessee or South Carolina, who could be pretty good. Um, another young quarterback to watch, Jake Bentley, at South Carolina. Another, you know, guy who played as a true freshman, got the starting job, and now is going into his sophomore year. Uh, there's four of them from last year's SEC: Hertz, Heason, Patterson, and Bentley, who I, I think will be fun to watch over the next two to three years while they're there. Um, and and uh, it's it's a good conference. Florida's interesting. You know, does Malik Zaire win the job? Uh, you know, do, do they go with the youngster and Felipe Franks? Uh, you know, it's it's always a fun conference to watch. There's plenty of storylines. If Zaire doesn't win the job, it will be one of the more dramatic falls of a, an elite quarterback recruit at an elite national program. Yeah, I mean, my my guess on Zaire, honestly, and I I, I like the kid. But I, I think his year might play out a lot like Everett Golson's year, who, of course, was his former teammate. And he transferred to Florida State, won the job to start out, and, and struggled. You know, just never really found the consistency needed and ended up getting replaced by the end of the year. I kind of see that same thing happening. I think he'll be the starter to begin the year, um, and he'll flash, but he just never showed the consistency I was hoping he would show at Notre Dame. Um, and and uh, I think by the second half of the year they'll be playing Felipe Franks and trying to, you know, build their guy to, you know, be the quarterback for the next two or three years. So now we pivot to the final conference on today's preview episode, and that's the Big Twelve. And a lot has changed. Oklahoma is no longer Stoops country. Texas has a new coach. Um, you know, Bill Snyder, I guess, is the one consistent thing, and he's the coach who's 77 years old and just battled back yeah. from throat cancer. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, again, like I said earlier, it's it's the Wild West in some ways. They, uh, You know, if you want to see offense, you turn on a Big 12 game. If you want to see good defense, you go elsewhere. Um, not many teams in the conference play defense. Kansas State does to an extent. Um, but everybody else is just, you know, wide open, throw it all over the lot uh, you know first team to 50 wins usually uh, it makes for some entertaining games but it's also led to them I think you know in most people's eyes being number five among the conferences I agree I think that they have a decent chance of being left out again um, obviously yeah. adding the championship game will help 
Uh, I think that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State seem primed to duke it out at the top of the conference again this year. The Cowboys returning Mason Rudolph and uh, James Washington at receiver should be a big boon to their offense. And Baker Mayfield's back in Oklahoma, so, you know, he had a good year last year. You hit on the biggest reason why I'm picking Oklahoma State, and that is Rudolph and James Washington, and uh, you know, and and the fact that Oklahoma loses Bob Stoops. I was never a Bob Stoops fan, but you have to concede he's a pretty good coach, and and there has to be much like I just said with Alabama losing that type of player. Uh, there has to be some effect felt, I would think, by losing a coach of Stoops' caliber. Um, and so I'm I'm going to go Oklahoma State. I think this team reminds me a little bit of that 2011 Oklahoma State team that. Won the Big 12 with Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman. And I think Rudolph and Washington, you know, kind of kind of fit in those roles extremely well. I'm with you. I think that it's going to come down to an early uh, mistake game from Oklahoma to put them yeah. behind Oklahoma State. And then if Oklahoma State can win the rivalry game, that'll, that'll be enough to do it. Because I think, that, yeah. I, I think that they will have an early leg up and just sort of keep Oklahoma at arm's length for the duration of the season. Yes. Also, well, and I think Oklahoma will lose to Ohio State. Now, that doesn't hurt them in the conference race. Yeah. But I think that will, that will set them back, kind of like it did last year. I think Ohio State will beat them, especially with the game being in Columbus. Um, and, I, and I think, honestly, I don't even see Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. I think I'm going to go Oklahoma State and Texas. I think Texas takes the leap forward with Tom Herman. Uh, I said this to you last year. I thought Charlie Strong had recruited good players and the next coach would see the benefit of it, and I think that's going to be the case. Um, you know, I think there's there's talent there. He just didn't get to see it through. And Tom Herman, I think, is a pretty coach who will, you know, take that talent and do something good with it. I mean, he certainly got the most out of his talent while he was at Houston, and he got the most yeah. out of the money available for the top yes. head coaching candidate from yes, Texas. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I – I think Shane Bouchelle is going to have a really good year. I, I think he's uh, he's a he's a player who's going to leave a legacy there. He, you know, I don't know if he's going to go on to NFL stardom, but I think he could have a you know Colt McCoy like career there, um, and and you know have three more good years. Basically, he's probably not a big prospect for the pros, but like him a lot as far as a college quarterback. So I'll, I'll go Oklahoma State to win it, but I say they beat Texas. One more caveat I'll throw out. I like West Virginia in this conference, too. Will Greer, a transfer quarterback, uh, you know, looked like the answer at Florida before the suspension. I think they're going to do well and could have a pretty good season, too. Let me ask you, when you say that you think Texas is going to have a good year and you have them in that championship game, do you think Texas yeah. spends most of the year ranked in the top 25? I do. I do. I think they play USC in week three, and I think they'll lose that. We, you know, we aren't touching on the Pac-12 this time around, but I'm pretty high on USC. Um, and then I, I think they maybe can go through the Big 12 with one or two losses. I think they can finish nine and three or ten and two, something like that. So you and I are aligned on Oklahoma State. We differ on Alabama and Auburn. Yes, we didn't. We didn't really finish SEC picks. So you're picking Alabama to win the SEC over who? I'm picking Alabama to win the SEC over everybody. I think Alabama's going to go undefeated this well, year. Well, no, I just, I just mean give me, a, give me an East team. Who's going to win the East? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with Georgia. I really think that Kirby Smart's going to have them ready to play, and I think it's, yeah. but, I, but I don't think it's going to be that close when you get to the title game because yeah. I, I think that this is one of those things where whatever Kirby Smart learned, he learned from Nick Saban, and Saban's going to be ready 
I don't care who the offensive coordinator is. By that time, they'll have it all figured out. And and Jalen Hurts yeah. is just too special. So I've got them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We both have Ohio State. We both have Florida State. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and I have I have Georgia in the East as well. Um, and I'll I'll take Auburn over Georgia uh, to win the SC. I think Alabama will be very good. Uh, basically, what I see with Alabama is ten and two, losing to Florida State, losing to Auburn, which is going to end up knocking him out of the SEC title game. Uh, you know, much like the 2013 team that was 11 and 0 and lost on the crazy play, and they, you know, they end up not winning the SEC. They're still going to be pretty good. I just think, I think Auburn beats them this year. The game is at Auburn, and I, I'm high on Jarrett Stidham. I'm all, I'm all in on that bandwagon. I mean, a two-loss Alabama team does not make the playoffs. We'll get to it, but it sounds like you've got this Auburn team in the playoffs. But I we'll, do, I but, do. But we'll get into specific playoff picks. Later. Yes. That's, a, that's yes. what we in the industry, I think, yes. I don't know, we're not really in the industry, call yes. a tease and a cliffhanger. Yes. So you all come back. Until next time.